welcome to The Nerds Are Typing, a podcast where we dive deeper into our favorite fictional works and critically analyze characters through the lens of the Enneagram and MBTI. I'm Delia. And I'm Connie. We're excited to nerd out with you all about our favorite characters. Today, we're continuing around the Enneagram and through the 16 MBTI types with the Enneagram Type 3 and MBTIs ENFJ and ENTP. Man, it's really like alphabet soup up in here. <laughs> it truly is. Just letters and numbers. Anyone looking at our agenda would be like, what are y'all talking about? <laughs> yeah, you really, it, it, it's, it looks more daunting than it is. It maybe sounds more daunting than it is if you're a beginner, which is why you're on this journey with us. Exactly. So before we start, as you guys know, if you guys have been listening for a minute now, if you have a character or property you'd be interested in seeing typed, you know we want to hear it. You can send us your suggestions on Instagram at the nerds are typing or on Twitter at nerds are typing. Even if you don't think it'd fit into a podcast episode in one of our future seasons, like we keep teasing a little bit. We like to tease y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we do have lots of Enneagram and MBTI content on our Instagram and you really never know what we'll meme next. Exactly. Um, we're it's recording these a bit timey-wimey, so out of order. It's not like the most current, but it just gives us lots of... So you won't hear it this season, but uh, it gives us lots of information uh, for future seasons because we have so many plans. So many plans. So many plans. Maybe too many plans, but that's fine. <laughs> exactly. Let us live our life. <laughs> it actually, not actually too many plans. It fits in the theme of the first thing we're going to talk about. Truly, it we're does. We're feeling very uh, achieving. We are feeling very achieving. Very, um, we have we have great ambition. Yeah, man, are we going to talk about Slytherins? We might also make a pit stop at Slytherins today, y'all, um, because to start us out, we are talking about the Enneagram Three, also known as the Achiever. <laughs> um, I often this is an aside. I was kind of joking, but also like, of course, you know, not all. Enneagram anything or MBTI anything or any one type, of course. However, if I had to sort the types, Enneagram three would be, you know how like the sorting hat barely got placed on Draco's head and it was like Slytherin? That. <laughs> that is how I take Enneagram three. Yeah, I think uh, Enneagram three is a lot of Slytherin and like a strong Gryffindor minority. I mean, of course, like I know Enneagram, well, I know one very Slytherin Enneagram 3, but I also know Ravenclaw Enneagram 3s. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Hufflepuff yeah. Enneagram 3s exist. I haven't met them, but I'm sure they exist. <laughs> You're a puff, Connie. Have you met any? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm literally thinking about it because I do know at least one Enneagram 3. She's a Gryffindor. <laughs> I definitely don't think I know any Hufflepuffs. That's funny. If you're an Enneagram 3 Hufflepuff, let us know. Let us know. We need to know. <laughs> we're being prejudiced against Hufflepuff Enneagram 3s and we're sorry. Yes, we don't need to. <laughs> uh, we just don't know them. Prove us and, wrong. You know, I'm like literally looking up my friends list on like Instagram where I like sometimes send friends Enneagram things or at least I like think about it. And I'm just like, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's so mm. funny. Um, okay. But anyways, you know, so the basics of an Enneagram 3, like I said, very Slytherin. Um, they're very success-oriented, ambitious, competent. Uh, these people are usually very charming. Um, on the flip side of all that, they can be very vain because mm -hmm. if you'll remember, 
we are now going around the Enneagram. We are in the feeling center, aka the heart triad, as we covered in last episode about Enneagram twos. And the emotion that drives this these three types, uh, type two, three, and four, is shame. Um, but to deal with that shame, they're very image conscious. Huh. So while they are, they put on this image of being charming and competent. And again, when you strive for these things, you often are those things. Um, it can make them very vain. So hmm. they're the. I mean, actually, I didn't type them this way, but now I, it just came to me. They're kind of like your Gilderoy law cards. They can be like at your, <laughs> their worst. And I really that just entered my head, and I'm not sure. <laughs> We'll come back to that at a later episode. They are, he is a Ravenclaw. So, you know, justice for Slytherins, I guess. They're like, we're not all Enneagram threes. Right. Still no Hufflepuffs, though. Still no puffs. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yes, they're, that's, that's their, um, their triad. Uh, as for their core desire and fear. So their core desire is to be valued and admired. So they really want to put on this image that makes people value them because their greatest fear is that they're worthless and like there's actually no value to them. Um, Yeah, which is that's heavy. (laughs) Sometimes, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not that type, some of these things sound more heavy than they do. I feel like when they're your own type, like when I read about Enneagram five stuff, I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, I feel dragged. I'm like, that's rough. (laughs) But then if my mom reads about my type, she's like, do you really feel that way? I'm like, I mean, yeah, I guess. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's, yeah, uh, they don't want to be worthless. They want, slash, they don't want to feel like they've gone through life not having value or not being admired because they're, how people identify their self-worth is different from person to person, which is why not all Enneagram threes are technically Slytherins and vice versa. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) um, that's kind of the trend. So... They're in the middle of uh, the feeling center. And so what that means is their wings are both feeling wings. Um, That really doesn't do anything in this case. But if you'll remember uh, last episode for the Enneagram 2, one of their wings was outside of their center, which kind Mm -hmm. of affected their personality a little bit differently um, and how it can present in characters. But we'll talk more about that later. Um, In this case, um, you can either have, again, Class, where can your wings be? <laughs> Only on either side of your type. Yay! Five more points to Hufflepuff. Oh, ten! <laughs> Hufflepuff's doing real well, guys. You gotta... The rest of the house is really need to step it up. Yeah, I'm trying to come for all the points I can get, okay? I'm, I'm in my achiever phase right now. I am an Enneagram 9, so when I am integrated into growth, it is a 3. Excuse me. 10 points to Hufflepuff. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so, yes, they can only be on either side, which means, in this case, you can have a wing 2 or 4. So, you're an Enneagram 3, wing 2. Typically, this type is more sociable, generous, um, but also shape-shifting. Hmm. So they're more malleable to whatever they need to achieve in that moment. And a wing four is going to be more imaginative and introspective and pretentious, mm-hmm. um, which is, again, on either side is leaning into like some of their worser tendencies, but it's brought on by the wing the four is more introspective compared to an enneagram three normally because for an enneagram three the way they deal with feelings surprisingly 
is just rejecting them. So they're very concerned with feelings. They're in the feeling center, but actually they're the, they're a type that would say often, you know, I don't have very many feelings or I lead by logic. Like these people wouldn't mm-hmm. feel like they're a feeling type mm, until they read about their type and then they feel yeah, dragged. Be a lot of T types uh, from the MBTI, like thinking. Yeah. Types. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there probably are a lot of T types or, you know, again, if you, if maybe the wing fours have, will skew more F types and they'll be more introspective and aware of that right. part of themselves. Depending on the wing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I find that it, at least personally, this is anecdotally that a lot of threes that I know often mistype as like fives and stuff like that, or like ones, um, because they don't identify very heavily with their emotions. So they wouldn't think that that's where they would be. Um, but surprise you are. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Connie is a nine and she mentioned a little bit ago that she in growth moves to a three. Uh, however, for if you are a three and that's your court type, in stress, you move to a nine. Yay. You can kind of see as we go through that these lines aren't changing. They, <laughs> the line exists yeah. between a nine and a three. So for a nine, right. they move to growth in a three. And for a three, they move in stress to a nine. It'll make sense as we go along. And if you're looking at your little handy dandy Enneagram yourself as you listen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You'll start to see the lines like actually make sense. And so, right. Instead of just like, this like. A weird pentagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so when a nine, when it, sorry, when an Enneagram three moves to a nine in stress, they become more disengaged and apathetic. So you might see mm-hmm. them like taking on more work and just doing work for the sake of it, but they're not engaged at all in it. And it's kind of chaotic and they might burn out. They may just do nothing. It kind of depends, but it's the disengagement and the apathy that really is the key. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're usually very – threes are usually very active in the things that they take on. Even if they're taking on too much, this is very much a a does-too-much type. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But even if they're taking on too much, uh, they're usually very active in the things that they're taking on. Um, On the flip side, though – when they're moving in integration or growth, uh, they move towards the positive sides of a six and they become more cooperative and committed to others. You'll see them more concerned with like the concerns of a group. So Enneagram threes can be introverted or extroverted for them when we when we eventually get to meshing them with MBTI types when we're going through characters. However, they're not very other people focused. But when they move in growth, they start to take that take on that part and and that side. Mm-hmm. So last week we promised it would be the debate <laughs> of the century. <laughs> uh, neither of us are debaters. Uh, no. We're particularly interested in conflict. <laughs> um, but also we are kind of joking because we're going to save it for an episode. Get that content. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, however, I I make the case that Tiani Al-Jamil from The Good uh, Place yeah. is a three. Why? 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 <laughs> Why? Because I feel her core motivations are about being valued and admired. Yes, being valued by her family, but I don't think she worries about being loved. I think she worries about her image and how she's being perceived and how her efforts are being seen. And that is why, at the core of it. But also, I feel like in growth, she moves to a sex and becomes more cooperative and, you know, group dynamics, the whole point in the good place, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But, um... We'll get into it in a full episode, but that is yeah, my case. Yeah, because you heard my case last week, y'all. So we'll uh, we'll move on for now. 
I mean, she, like Connie pointed out, she does pull down an Im- a, a statue, which is an image mm-hmm. of her sister because it enrages her. So you could argue. Mm-hmm. Either you way, know. her ring is very strong. <laughs> yes, this is true. Either way, I think we probably mentioned that last week, but yes, either way, her wing is very strong. So you Whatever guys will just have to let us know. Is. Yeah, tweet we'll us, put up a comment on Instagram, something. something. DM us. Tell us what you think because now you have, you've got both sides. Go forth. Let us know. the poll. But in the same series, um, Michael from The Good Place, I do believe is a three, um, either in addition to or as (laughs) (laughs) to Hani. But Michael is like, he's this architect in The Bad Place. Uh, You know, it's just, this is a spoiler. We have a podcast for like everything. Sorry, y'all. He's an architect in The Bad Place and he wants to... uh, you know, well, he wasn't an architect. I forget what his like title was, but he gets moved up to architect and he comes up with this like crazy plan to like reinvent torture for humans as they enter the bad place. And so he comes up with the neighborhood, um, as you know, from the bad place where uh, he pretends it's the good place um, and sort of tortures the characters that we meet, including Tahani, by uh, like pitting them against each other by making them think that they're in the good place. Um, I think Michael is obviously success oriented and ambitious. He's very charming. He is uh, very attentive to his appearance. I mean, he's like a thousand foot giant demon or something like that. And he appears as a distinguished man, uh, the distinguished Ted Danson. Um, and like, wears a different tie every episode, like bow tie every episode, like he's very appearance heavy. Um, and the thing that like triggered that he probably is an Enneagram three is that in stress, they move to nine. So he becomes disengaged and apathetic. And there's that episode where he has like a, a, a afterlife crisis, <laughs> basically, <laughs> because he uh, is starting to sort of uh, be on the side of good with our main characters. And he doesn't know what that's supposed to mean for him as a person who's been a demon since literally the dawn of time. Uh, and so in that episode, he like crashes a party. He's like, oh, no, man, I don't want to do anything. He's very disengaged and apathetic. And then in growth, which is kind of the point of the show, he becomes more cooperative and committed to uh, the Soul Squad, the Team Cockroach, you know, our intrepid group of do-gooders. And so I think he's a really great example of like a classic three, Enneagram three. Um, And we'll talk more about him later because obviously we clearly need a a good place episode so we can fight about Tahani. But uh, (laughs) Michael is such an interesting character um to think about in this uh construct i'm not even sure if in our original plans we had for future seasons and in the layout and in the mapping of future seasons that we won't spoil right now i don't know if the good place was as high up as we have now clearly needed to move it um but you know it's a journey and you all are going on it with us (laughs) yes because i think it's also Oh, we'll get to it. Wait till just you guys wait. I'm just so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking about like, if Tehani isn't, isn't a three, I think she is. But if she isn't, (laughs) that will make all of them different types. And that's just super fascinating to me and super interesting from a storytelling perspective. But we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, Other threes of note. Uh, Tiana from Princess and the Frog very much three very ambitious she's driven by her goals and she wants to be valued and 
is very much ties her worth to what she's doing. Um, and I think, and you see the whole conflict of the movie is her not being able to realize her dream. And literally it's a, sh- a movie about her image being changed to that of a frog. So, you know, there's, it, it's got layers. It, we're moving on real quick, but just she's a great Enneagram three. And I just wish more people put respect on Tiana's name in general. Yes. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Another one, Galadriel from Lord of the Rings. It's like a lot of her backstory that if you listen yes. to our other podcast, Token Black Girls, uh, <laughs> you will yeah. hear uh, Delia go into the depths of Galadriel and her backstory that isn't necessarily in the direct text of Lord of the Rings or in the movies. But It just dawned on me. We're going to have to... I'm basically going to have to do that again for when we do cover Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like it's going to be that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fun. Great. Uh, I don't know if you guys know anything about uh tolkien's work but he there, there's That's a lot the so much to parse through Was especially Tolkien if you're he needs to calm down <laughs> he's doing a lot especially if you like want if you get stuck on it on how to type a character you have to parse through so much um good lord okay well but anyways gladriel she's not hard to type she's definitely a three it does really pertain more to her backstory because in lord of the rings the like movie she, you know we only get so much of her mm-hmm. um but we're seeing her and like, she wants go- to be a, a a queen you would have a queen like she's resisting this like baser urge she has to follow her ambition um she's like repressing some you know repressing it in order to not be evil because she realizes that she has the capacity to do so um, right and you could say like even there that's her the ring is calling to her her deepest desire so there you go. Three, I think wing four. And we'll have to have a Lord of the Rings episode so we can get into the the not more the, the less well-known aspects of her character. But uh one of my favorite characters, absolutely hundred percent. Put respect on Galadriel's name too. Also, if you were not into Tolkien lore, at least like listen to her story. Like the way she just moves, I ugh, wow, queen. <laughs> Literally, queen. Delia, Delia stands. <laughs> I stand. <laughs> Um, another three is Azula from, um, Avatar. Some people contest that she's an eight and I just no. don't know that I agree. I no. think I, I see the points. She, I see she does a lot of things because she wants to be admired by her father, especially in comparison to her brother. Ooh, wait. Okay. We, mm, wow. <laughs> Connie wow. just, just, just had thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I she's definitely think she, yeah, no, I absolutely think she's a three. People think she's concerned with power, but I think she's only concerned with power in that it relates to her father, who she's trying to get her worth from because her father has mm-hmm. taught her that that's how you measure your own value. So yeah. it'll be interesting to talk about in a later episode to get more in detail and like really dig into it. And we've really spent a lot of time on the Enneagram, so I really need to get moving. But like, no, these- but, 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 but I do want to say that Hamilton is also an Enneagram 3. And the thing that I just realized was that Burr is a 9, which as a 9, whoo, child. Um, And obviously this is from Hamilton the Musical. This is not the real fictional characters. That's just a real historical We are not in the business of typing real people. Yeah, this is a disclaimer. Anyway, but I, I, I think it's fascinating that Azula and Zuko, who is also a 9, and Hamilton and Burr, 
like are on the same like line of you know three six uh nine because it just like says a lot about their characters and it's why i think azula has to be a three because it's sort of like playing on opposites but also the same you know do you we'll get into it i was gonna question is burr a nine i think he's a six but it's okay. We'll do that offline. We'll figure it out later. I'm also struggling with that with Tony Stark because I initially have typed him as a three, but now I'm That's thinking so he interesting. might be a six. <laughs> I think he might be a six. Because um, I put him down as we'll a three. That's crazy. It. Yeah, I think it's that it's that triangle there that is a kind of a struggle, honestly. Uh, yeah. So we'll have to we'll have to dive deeper just into just the Enneagram three six nine triangle and all the characters that lie upon it because I think they're some of the easiest to mistake for each other. Uh, yeah, I definitely think we'll have to revisit it. I'm, I just think when I think, okay, this is not the episode, but when I think I know that Burr is conflict avoidant, but also I just think he's, his main goal is security, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. We'll have to review it. See, it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. You guys get mm-hmm. to hear it happening live um, because <laughs> some things are more complex than, than, Just simply saying there are three or there are two, which is kind of my favorite part of these discussions that we have. Yeah. Now I'm I'm seeing what you're saying because I think Tony Stark is the same. It's not about peace. It's about uh, security. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Did we just do something, guys? I think we did. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I have a y'all. I have a whole air table. It has like different fandoms and properties. I'm updating it live right now. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, Tony Stark is is a six. Uh, sorry to this anxious uh bean. I mean, I love Tony Stark. A lot of people hate him. He has a lot of flaws. He's, he's troubled, but I think it's because he's, <laughs> he's <a six>. troubled. <laughs> he's a troubled man, but I think it's because he's a six. He's struggling. Uh. That anxiety. Also, you'd be a six wing five. Okay, this is an episode about threes, y'all. So sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Tom Riddle. Tom Riddle is probably the 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 evil component of like a lot of ambitious evil characters tend to be a three because they are achieving a a goal and they're charming and you know are putting on this uh, appearance of you know. I'm the best and they want to be valued by a subset of society, whether uh, a good subset or a bad subset. Yeah. In that way, Tom Riddle, Tom Riddle is also, I put Tom Riddle specifically, obviously Tom Riddle, Voldemort, the Dark Lord, whatever you calling him. Um, (laughs) He obviously, all of, at every level of his characterization is a three, but Tom Riddle is the most interesting to me because we see him before he goes full like I don't genocidal maniac. I mean, he's murdering people when he's a teenager, but um, like he hasn't gone all the way. And so we can see those, the more charming aspect to him and how he's able to be more like sociable and shape shifting, which I definitely think he's a wing too. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by the time, wow. Right. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time we see him as Lord Voldemort, as we know him for the m- majority of the series outside of flashbacks, I think he really embodies the least healthy version of a three. Mm-hmm. So if you're a three, because a lot of people, when they see that Tom Riddle or Voldemort is is typed as a three, who are threes are like, uh, gross, how dare you? Not all threes are villains. And it's not that because there's different levels of health to threes. Mm-hmm. Most people are not going to be at the absolute least, ver- like, 
level of health, basically. Mm-hmm. So at its most unhealthy level, an uh, an Enneagram three is, and I am reading. They be they become vindictive, attempting to ruin others' happiness, Ooh. relentless, obsessive about Ooh. destroying whatever reminds them of their own shortcomings and failures. Oh. Psychopathic behavior oh. generally corresponds to the narcissistic personality disorder. Oh. So you know, yikes. You could also, I could have told you that this is a description from Tom, from Voldemort's wiki page, and it would have been <laughs> the same. Yeah. It's same. So um, when we go through characters, I wanted to highlight as many non-villain characters here as possible, but there is quite a list of villain characters, but that doesn't mean that threes are bad or eights are bad because it'll happen with eights too, or that... Mm-hmm. It's just about levels of health, really, and uh, and yeah. also what you need a character to do in a story. And off, often, you, villains are either concerned with power and eight, or they're, you know, ambitious and, driven. you know, driven. Want they're charming, vain. They're doing something that's self-serving. Probably they're concerned with their image. These are just character traits that serve a villain narrative. Mm-hmm. Does it make threes a villain? Yeah. And as a transition to the MBTI portion of this episode, hey threes, at least you're not like the INFJ, which often when you Google INFJ characters or, well, fictional, I mean, real people, which again, we don't type real people here, but you will look it up and it exists. Uh, INFJs get, you know, Jesus and like Gandhi but also Osama bin Laden and Hitler. So at least you have a fictional fictional evil people and not real evil people. Yeah, that's a bit yikes. Sorry to those INFJs. Like how? how? Actually, we're going to have to figure this out. This may be another journey on this podcast that you will go along with us and like figuring out whether these, uh, when you Google these things, if they're correct or not, because I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many questions about how that came to be. Yeah, I do think it's interesting that Hitler is considered an INFJ, but yeah. also wouldn't Hitler be an Enneagram 3 if you were to type? Oh, mm. <laughs> oh dear. We're going to come to it later. We're going to come back to it later. Oh, dear. Okay. Maybe maybe that'll be like bonus content where we just go through <laughs> popularly real but historical people that are, because maybe historical people we could do, but definitely not real currently living people. Don't ask us that. I don't know. Yeah. MBTI. <laughs> Uh, today we're discussing first the ENFJ, aka the giver. Uh, their cognitive stack starts with extroverted feeling and is supported by introverted intuition. So actually what's interesting is that um, the other type that has extroverted feeling as its lead uh, cognitive stack it f- function is ESFJ, which we talked about last week. So um, I can Let's speed pretend through that this. Was on purpose. Exactly. We can speed through this just a little bit. Um, just part. So they're, they want harmony in their environment and they're very determined to create that. They're very people people. They're great at dealing with people uh, in a situation where they can win them over with their goodwill. They're typically people who host and organize events and they're very detail oriented when it comes to other people. So they use their attention to detail to make others feel good um they're very warm-hearted and conscientious uh cooperative they take pleasure and satisfaction from uh giving other people warm feelings as well as uh their own warm feelings uh they're very loyal uh and they're 
they want to be appreciated for who they are and what they contribute to uh, other people uh, and very sensitive to criticism. Uh, but the difference behavior, this is where the helpful puffs are in the episode. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a few Ravenclaws there because of the introverted intuition. Uh, the introverted intuition makes for the Ravenclaws of the ENFJ type because the, that is the type that is like curious about new ideas. They're academic types. They love books like theory, vision, insight. Uh, so remember the S type last week is more practical, more uh, logic, logistics driven, more matter of fact and conventional um, and more interested in possessions. So the sensing of the ESFJ. So the intuitive of ENFJ is more theoretical and more thinking about things rather than doing the things. Um, ENFJs are great at speaking to people and like inspiring audiences, which was like the main thing that I was looking at when I was looking at my list of characters that we haven't typed. And I was like, who gives good speeches? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, And there are a lot of jobs that uh, ENFJs have are teachers, clergy, counsel, psychiatrists. So that kind of gives you an idea of that kind of person. Uh, So some characters that I think are ENFJs are the king of speeches in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Steve Rogers, aka Captain America. Um, no, I that's think incorrect. He... I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, so guys, um, Delia <laughs> knows nothing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe except for Black Panther, and that will be important for every that's time I mention the MCU. And she's gonna come up with something that doesn't make sense, and it's because she doesn't actually go here. <laughs> I do know enough to, about t- Tony Stark to have thought that he was a three. But also yeah. under- vaguely understand that he might not be. That's that's not nothing. <laughs> that's not nothing. Correct. It's not zero. <laughs> but Tony Stark, I mean, ooh, wow. Sorry, Y'all. that was my bad. That was As your you bad. Were. Uh, Steve Rogers, great at speeches. He pays enough attention to other people. He's a people person. He wants to save the world. He wants to save his best friend or lover, depending on where you go with that. Uh, Bucky Barnes. <laughs> oh, uh, see, yeah. I know. You know things, okay? <laughs> but uh, Steve is also, and it's not really shown as much, uh, I think, outside of the first Captain America movie, but he's kind of like a bookish kind of person he likes to draw um so he's a bit you know what that's true because i did see part of the first captain america movie and he was kind of nerdy i remember that yes (laughs) (laughs) correct correct um before he he bulked up as captain america uh, i liked him before to be honest but that's just me Anyways, I mean, not a lot of people do enjoy little tiny nerdy Steve. Um, anyway, Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec, I think is. See, as soon as I said it, I was just like, wow, is he? <laughs> he might be an ES. We're doing it live, y'all. FJ. No. Oh, No. Oh, dang it. He is. Because ESFJs are are like important concerned about like physical appearance and like social status and he's always like concerned about his health. Why did I think he was a the other way? 
I mean, he he's not really bookish in the series. He's more of a hands-on kind of guy. Wow, doing it live. <laughs> so Girl. what is he, an ESFP? J. I think he could be an ESFJ, which is what we discussed, we talked about last week. Um, but again, we'll have to we'll have to get more into it. We'll have to dive deeper to to know for sure. Again, these are journeys you're taking with us live and in color. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go with ESFJ now because of the uh, appearance factor that uh, ENFJs don't have. Interesting. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tyrion. Lannister. Lannister. Do you guys want to know something? I'm sorry for this aside. I know we have a whole nother MBTI to get through and look, we're going to do it. However, last week we also brought up, um, I want to call it the show that must not be named, but uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, And also did we bring it up in episode one? Because Ned Stark is is an Enneagram one. Yeah, I think so. Anyways. yeah, Tyrion, the, just talking about these characters, I have not really engaged with that fandom <laughs> at all since since it did what it did. However, talking about these characters has had me like thinking, like, do I want to re-listen to the audiobooks? You know, the books that'll never be finished. <laughs> like the last season was terrible and the books will be finished. Like we can't you can't win. Like that sucks. I only go to the TV show, so I am neither winning nor losing on the book side. But I'm slightly interested Delia. again, and I don't know why. I don't know why. I we'll don't want this it. for myself, but we're here. And even just saying Tyrion Lannister, like saying <laughs> Lannister, I was like, oh, oh. Delia was triggered. Uh, I know. <laughs> and um, we'll get to it. But I do think he is uh, an ENFJ. I think he is the, you know, he's a bookish type. Uh, he's uh, wise and gives good speeches. I mean, again, it was, I guess at least his character in the last episode was consistent. <laughs> it's oh. like, why did, why did they put him in prison? It doesn't make any sense. But oh the last thing oh in the God. show <laughs> is a big speech that he gave. Yeah, I'm triggered in a whole other way. I hate it here. I hate it here. <laughs> But I think that he's, you know, kind of like a, he's, he's definitely a, uh, like center of attention kind of person. So like someone who like hosts things, uh, he (laughs) often chose debauchery as his method of, of entertainment. But, um, I think like the energy was there. Um, and obviously he has a lot of other, uh, things that, uh, put him in more stress and more uh, unhealthy levels of either any of his types uh, because of the mistreatment that he faces and like his siblings being who they are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like the way that he talks to other characters is very much like detail oriented on them as people. And so he's able to connect with them. He's connects with Sansa, even the way he slaps Joffrey in the face is kind of like him being attentive to like what will actually shut Joffrey up. <laughs> you know, actually he may be, I'm thinking about it, man. I hate that. I'm thinking so in depth about these freaking characters from this freaking property, but it's fine. <laughs> um, like the way, cause you know, the whole, you're saying that ENFJ is their extroverted feeling is supported by their introverted intuition. And like, that is so true because he's able to keep up with his family. Well, mm-hmm. just barely able to be able to keep up with his family 
um, because he's able to kind of manipulate like they can, but the way he manipulates is different and comes from a different place, but it's from his understanding of people and being able Mm -hmm. to understand the feelings and desires of people and then meet those people where they are. And that's very much his extroverted feeling being supported by his introverted intuition, which I think is super interesting. And is also the same reason why at the end of the day, well, we will never know in the books for sure because they're not getting finished. I'm so sorry, everybody. But it seems that he's skewing towards the side of good, whatever that is defined as in this world of A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Kagome from Inuyasha, I think is an ENFJ. Katara. We've hmm. sort of talked about Katara. Um, we talked about her a bit last week. And I think her and I think it was Leslie Nope I was like, are they ESFJs or ENFJs? And now that it's like they have the same uh, extroverted feeling, it kind of makes sense that there would be confusion. But I, um, I've only come to a, cl- <laughs> I don't, I haven't come to a conclusion about Katara yet. Um, but Leslie Nope, I think I've decided is ESFJ um, because of her. <laughs> I wrote down her commitment to gut reactions and acting in the moment. Um, like she's a person who acts she's not like thinking about stuff like she's a person who likes to get out there and do the thing and so I think that puts her in more of the ESFJ category for me again doing it live Um, (laughs) which Katara I think also could fit because she like literally just like leaves her house and goes with the avatar (laughs) I feel like she probably is DSFJ because mm-hmm. she is a very in the moment type. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Sokka who balances her out because Sokka is more purposeful and planning and strategic in mm-hmm. what he does. Like he seems chaotic, like on the surface <laughs> level, is uh, the type of energy he exudes. But deep mm-hmm. down, he's very much like a Raven Carl brain. Yeah. In the yeah. stereotypical sense. So, yeah. and I, I think they balance as- each other out. ESTP right now, but I am 100% willing oh, to be moved. Um, that's not like a, a hard, it's a big question mark because uh, I think we need to dive deeper into it. But um, I think <laughs> I've decided live and on camera that or on audio in the microphone. In uh, your ear, ears. <laughs> in your ears, dear listener, um, that. Leslie Nope is an ESFJ. Okay. Boom. And then Aragorn (laughs) and George Washington both give really good speeches. And I think the other stuff. George Washington from Hamilton. Again, we're not talking real people. To be clear, not, you know, the actual slave owner, but (laughs) Chris Chris Jackson as George Washington. They're very different. I think we should just let people know we're going to talk about Hamilton and we love Hamilton, but we're also going to. Drag Talk the about, actual founding fathers. Yeah, we we're gonna do both. We we, we <laughs> save space for both. <laughs> um, some more than others, like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, will every time get that get that smoke. Okay, Thomas Jefferson. Okay, let's not do that in this. Ooh, okay. Yeah, we have to think about Ooh. his type anyway. So anyway, um, yeah, had to the next one, <laughs> the next type we'll discuss today is ENTP, uh, sometimes called the debater or the visionary. Uh, their cognitive stack. <laughs> um, you are an INTP. Not, yeah, I feel like the, the extroverted version is like okay. my bud. Okay. 
That's true. I was thinking about you a lot when I was taking these notes. <laughs> um, so ENTPs, their uh, cognitive stack leads with uh, extroverted intuition. So they're very perceptive of other people um, and the views of other people. They're very alert to what could be happening. Like anything that anything could happen, guys. Like, who knows? Um, they're very Terrifying. independent. <laughs> they're very independent. Uh, and they're... <laughs> And this is something we were talking about earlier, like separately, because uh, ne- n- neither of us nor are some of our friends uh, ENTPs, but starting creative projects, but not being great at finishing them is an ENTP trait. And, you know, that just means that, that they have lots of ENTPs. ideas. Yeah, they Listen, just have lots of ideas. I'm an ideas. INTP and I'm out here on a <laughs> podcast. You could do it. I believe you in you. You can do it. Like that doesn't mean that you won't finish projects and a lot of the characters that it will we be a struggle though. Talk about exact yes. Child. A lot of the <laughs> characters we'll talk about do they have lots of uh, creative projects that they're great at finishing. But uh, I think it depends. You have to have a lot of focus on it. Like you have to be the NTP wants to be super interested in their project. And if they're not, then they'll kind of, it'll be easier for them to, to drop it. Um, they're great at problem solving, problem solving and like really hard problems to solve. Like that energizes them. Uh, so they're great at focusing on those kinds of things that are really of interest to them, but not great at focusing on other stuff. Um, they have very impulsive energy. Um, it's hard for them to sort of have concentrated and like long-term willpower. <laughs> um, again, unless they're like interested in what they're doing, which is why they're like, so like analytical and stuff. Um, they hate routine. Uh, not good at that, which I think Delia, do you, do you relate as an introverted version of this? <laughs> yeah, I absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, I wouldn't say I hate See, the thing is, I couple my INTP-ness with ADHD. So sometimes mm. I, like, I've got processes in place that I have to have for my brain to work. But also, right. like, if I didn't have it, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're also very, like, when they're inspired, they, like, charge forth and can, like, just run with it. So there's, like, a theme here. ENTPs just love working on projects and focusing on those projects um but they're also good at inspiring other exactly um but they're also they're like idea people they're just so so many ideas like all the ideas i'm like is this (laughs) no (laughs) wait wait is this Saka? it could be um it would help balance the the katara of it all as we were talking about (laughs) definitely extroverted definitely a, a thinker in this type and like uh a planner hmm. like uh and and not a planner but like he thinks about ideas and like i feel yeah. like maybe i feel like for hmm i feel so, like for Sokka, feeling whether extroverted or introverted would be higher in his cognitive stack but maybe not mm-hmm, mm-hmm, hmm. it's fair um, he's not currently on our list of characters that we'll discuss at the end so we'll have to give it some more thought but um ENTPs are supported by introverted thinking, so they're very analytical, independent. They can be a little impersonal. Um, They're more concerned about how people affect their work versus how their work affects people. Um, So don't mess with their projects, y'all. Don't do it. (laughs) They don't like that. Um, They're typically clearly inventors, scientists, promoters, 
Um, they're good at conversation and enjoy sparring with other people, like verbally sparring with other people. And that's why they're the debater, because they love to debate issues. Um, some of them are maybe lawyer types, devil's advocate types, where it's like, oh, they just like the idea of thinking about the possibilities of both sides of, of an issue. And so they're just generally ideas people and they get excited, enthusiastic about those ideas. And if they're driven to do it, it'll get done. But if they're not, it probably won't get done. <laughs> um, the, the theme of the characters that we have on this list today. Yeah. Is, is, is the chaotic type. <laughs> The chaotic, but truly, the like, yeah. The chaotic inventor type is Chaotic inventor, but also, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you can say. Um, so the 10th Doctor from Doctor Who, um, the thing that was like, yo, is more concerned about how their work, how people affect their work and not the other way around. That mm-hmm. is very... Very ten. He's always just like, "Why are you here? <laughs> Why are I you mean, touching my stuff? Why are you coming in here, trying to mess with this plan that I got going? It's only a quarter I mean, of a plan, but I'm working on it. Don't come in here, messing it up." Even how his whole his whole, I mean, I guess spoilers for this really old <laughs> Doctor Who arc. Uh, um, yeah, how his whole story ends is somebody metal league and he's so upset about it i mean <laughs> rightfully so he's about to like you know basically die essentially as mm-hmm. much as the doctor can um but other doctors would have been like you know what I'm, i have to save him like it's the right thing to do but he is not pleased he's so mad about it he's so mad about it it's fine um but he's also an idea person very analytical very like science mad scientist type of the doctors like usually it's like a mad something so like i think um 11 was also described often described as like a mad professor and then 12 actually became a mad professor so you know there's a little <laughs> bit of overlap there i think 11's like a mad adventurer um he's just a madman with a box but um 10 i think also is chatty he's a chatty kathy i also think he's very much yeah i what got me is like yeah definitely the impersonalness of it all Mm -hmm. but also like just the 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 scattered focus we'll say yes uh, the way he treats companions that are not rose Ooh, child, that's not this podcast. <laughs> that's not this episode. Uh, but we will have to, we will likely talk about it, okay? Okay. Well, I wonder if it'll end up, we think, whether or not we think that truly is with his personality or if that's, you know, showrunners. <laughs> Anyways, doing what they do. Yeah. As we, as we often uh, allude to and talk about on this show is like the way that you know, looking at MBTI is great for looking at characters, but also character creation and, you know, the ways in which your character leaks through to your characters <laughs> and your own personality types. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like things get muddled a little never, bit. I was going to say we uh, don't type real people, but I was but... like, Ooh, Stephen Moffat actually fits a lot of this. <laughs> Truly fits a lot Yikes. of this. Oh, wow. Okay, we don't type real people. Next up is Willy Wonka, uh, the chocolate inventor uh, extraordinaire. Willy Wonka. Um, 
He's an inventor, scientist. He likes to talk and he is good at inspiring people, but is also a bit like a chaotic scientist who's just like, why are these kids in? <laughs> He's like, I'm going to put a, a, a contest out to the whole world. And six kids are going to come to my chocolate factory. And then he's mad <laughs> that the kids are messing up his chocolate factory. <laughs> he's just like, why are you touching stuff? Do not touch things. You brought kids. You, to look. you brought children into your chocolate factory. Have you met a child? <laughs> Sir. He's only met himself as a child and he would clearly, never. Clearly. Um, so I think he's an ENTP. Fred and George from uh, Harry Potter. Uh, they're very idea oriented. Uh, they lock themselves in their room and like things explode. They're not so great at school. They don't even finish school, but uh, they do have a strong commitment to their joke shop. And, you know, Had. it's constantly stop it. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Feelings bench. Delia. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I guess we're here now. <laughs> oh my gosh. It just came out. I don't know. I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> That's the impersonal INTP energy, okay? <laughs> I'm not wrong, though. Anyways. You're not wrong, is the unfortunate part. Okay, so Fred and George, moving on. <laughs> can't talk about him anymore <laughs> gandalf gandalf the gray i'm so excited about gandalf because uh, so let me calm down <laughs> <laughs> so the thing with gandalf is that he fits a lot of this this stuff and when i was looking up antp characters um some people had typed dumbledore as ENTP and you will find Incorrect. that we find that categorically untrue um but we realized that the reason why it could, why the connection is there is because of Gandalf. Like, obviously, uh, Dumbledore has aspects of many, you know, old wizards, old white wizards. Um, <laughs> and Gandalf is, you know, one of the, the key characters of that trope, just like forever, because Tolkien. Um, and so he definitely is like an ideas person. Like, let's go on this adventure. Come with me. Come with me, dwarves. Like, let's just go. Um, <laughs> he's definitely a people type of thinker. Um, even though it's like <laughs> in the way of like, these people will serve this purpose. <laughs> you know? Like, ugh. I also um, just think about... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, just like they're concerned about how the people can serve the mission rather than like the mission serving the people just a little bit like Gandalf loves Frodo but also Frodo's the person who can do this and so he's just like you got this yeah I think <laughs> I think it's interesting because when Connie told me before we were recording this episode that like a lot of people think Dumbledore is an ANTP mm -hmm. I was like I think it's because per Dumbledore puts on a persona most of the time where mm -hmm. he's like more whimsical and more like, you know, just logically just going through. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing is, it's a persona, right? Like he's actually like this master manipulator behind the scenes and we'll talk about it. I, but I know some people take him to be more genuine than he is. However, Gandalf is is what people think Dumbledore is, I think. Like mm -hmm. he truly like. That's because just it fits he's, into that like wizard wizard 
uh, character type, like right. the trope of a wizard, rather than the truth of what Dumbledore's character becomes uh, as his character is fleshed out more. And like, even though he does have like, there are machinations to like what he's doing. I don't think it's because he's a J, and he's not like a master manipulator in the way that Dumbledore mm-hmm. is. No, Gandalf is just one of the Istari that are sent to Middle Earth to try and like defeat the great evil well right like he's on a mission and like has a goal and again like all focus goes to that goal and so he will do what it takes to finish this project of his that he has to complete but i mean he'd rather be like smoking (laughs) he would literally rather be getting high with the hobbits (laughs) and like thinking about stuff like making little smoke things and like coming up with uh fireworks and stuff like i i imagine that that would be uh those are of his own design um because he brought them to town and who's making fireworks for a wizard like it's the wizard making the fireworks so and i also think it's interesting that like entps aren't very focused on any one thing like they're Mm -hmm. they will really like hyper focused into something that they're actually truly invested in Mm -hmm. um but it's interesting because like the background of gandalf is he Without getting into it, unless you want to go listen to Tolkien Black Girls, there's essentially like a pantheon to like Middle Earth lore and most, what are the equivalent to demigods? I'm just going to give you equivalencies. Don't come for me, Lord of the Rings nerds. We know. We did a, <laughs> another podcast about it. But with the, our equivalent to demigods are associated with higher gods. Um, you can't see my air quotes, but they're there. <laughs> and most of the quote unquote demigods are associated with one quote unquote higher god. But Gandalf who is a sort of demigod is associated with like three or four. And he's the Mm. only one that is associated with that many. So I think that's Mm. interesting. Also, what's interesting is that unlike Fred and George, who I think um, share a share character types, partially, again, this is a writing issue, I believe. Um, I mean, twins can be this way, but I think it's just was easier for the author to just kind of write them the same. They, they have just really one major difference. And that is Delia's fault for putting that into my head. <laughs> That's not the only difference. Some people also hate Fred. They think he's the mean one. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Fred is usually the aggressor, but I think it's just because he That's comes how it's written. first. Uh, <laughs> I think he just speaks first every time. Right. Um, I'm convinced it's just like an alphabetical order kind of thing. But yeah, uh, characters that are similar are Mary and Pippin. He is from- dead, though. Just clarifying. Anyways, go on. Dang. Uh, <laughs> want to be clear dead. that he's not the mean one but he is the dead one yeah sure. well yeah he you could think he's the mean one but he's definitely the dead one. right exactly <laughs> okay okay mary and pippin mary and pippin are have similar friend george energy they're like a chaotic duo who just like want to come on to the journey and you know kind of just be there because they're like what are they're we doing? vibing where are we going what's going on all right cool Again, it kind of leads to this like, all right, we'll just hear unless I'm like really paying attention, unless I'm looking for mushrooms, <laughs> <laughs> unless I'm very, very interested in stealing from this farm. Um, <laughs> I will, you know, just like chilling, kind of like going wherever, which is, which is the thing. So Pippin and Mary, I think, are different any uh MBTI types. So unlike Fred and George, who kind of like go in parallel to each other, so that's different, but on the same path. Um, Mary and Pippin, I think, are different types. 
And I think last episode, uh, I might have talked about them being uh, ESFP, the entertainer or the performer. But I think that it only applies to Mary, which makes sense. His name is Mary. <laughs> easy, easy to, to remember. The Mary one is the one that's like outgoing and friendly. And, you know, it's kind of but also kind of like the more realistic one um, because of the S factor of their type. But Pippin, um, you know, he I think one moment in the in the movies that kind of like match this ENTP type is his like dedication to finding out what's in the Palantir. Like Gandalf is like, no. And he's like, I want to look at it. He's like, no, no, I want to <laughs> see it. But no. OK, but I need to look at it. And obviously, as we said um, earlier with Galadriel, um, it's the influence of the ring and of Sauron. But I think it kind of goes with his character also. But the most interesting part about this and my thinking as to why he's an ENTP is because of his relationship with Gandalf. (laughs) Pippin, Pippin, fool of a took. Like, I think the reason why Gandalf and Pippin kind of have like such a struggle with each other but then like such a strong connection with each other later is because they're the same type and i would i find that very fascinating because gandalf is this like old wise wizard who's not actually from earth anyway but is like putting on uh a, a, an earth skin <laughs> i guess you could say <laughs> i was thinking of michael You're not wrong, from the good but... place. i know it's like michael from the good place it's like a thing like similar to a phrase i think he might have used and they're yeah. kind of like same energy it's just like i'm just like in a human form because it's most palatable to the human eye <laughs> that's literally exactly why <laughs> and so gandalf but gandalf knows pippin like he's trying to like mature him maybe um because he can he's the same type like obviously they have different uh like obviously not every entp is going to be the same and so the idea that gandalf and pippin are the same type but obviously very different is very fascinating to me yeah i think it's interesting because you know we talk about the enneagram being used for growth but the mti can be used for the same thing like the whole point is as you grow and you age you take on more and more of your cognitive stack and the idea is that like you have your inferior functions right and eventually you should be able to take those functions on board and develop them so that you're a more balanced person Mm -hmm. and so my theory since Gandalf is so old is that Mm -hmm. he has done all that work and is very balanced person a very learned person like he I mean person wizard Um, (laughs) and so he's just like a very high functioning ENTP whereas yes a lower functioning (laughs) very young ENTP would be very irritating to him (laughs) yes (laughs) exactly um so yeah obviously uh you you're gonna experience us typing characters live as we think about them and as we discuss them with each other um we hope you find that interesting and that it inspires you to come to us with what what 
what you're thinking like what this episode and all the other ones that we do um inspire you to like reconsider like how you think about a character and like if you change your mind if you're even more resolute in your opinion on what the characters are because i know a lot on if you go online like obviously there are lots of different websites that type characters and Oh, all the time. People, like, resonate with the types that they see. Like, sometimes they're like, oh, no, I'm not that person. But you may resonate with the type that you see, but I think a lot of our choices are going to be different than a lot of the choices we see popularly, um, which is just something I've noticed. I think the way we're approaching this makes us look at it very differently. And so Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts. uh, And, you know, we'll tell you, we said it at the top, we'll tell you again where to find us. to know your thoughts on whether or not you agree, but also if you resonated with a character and were like typing them differently than you are. I do think, again, as we go on this journey, you know, our ideas will morph and change, but like that's the most interesting, those are the funnest conversations to have and why we wanted to start this um, podcast is mm-hmm. typing the characters that are harder to type. Like, yeah, it's fun to talk about how, you know, Voldemort is a Enneagram three like that one's obvious it's like okay and like yeah Yeah. everybody knows Mm -hmm. but it's funner those gray characters to discuss and yeah I think we're definitely going to come to different conclusions and maybe even you sitting at home because for us it's less about like who do I relate to and more about like getting to the to the crux of the character and that's not bad if people are doing it the other way but it's just it's just different approaches um so much and, so that i forget that my type is an option often when i'm trying to type a character <laughs> and then i will be baffled that like oh wait are they a five <laughs> no uh really i find that like there are a lot of infj characters or like ones that could be seen as such and i'm just like no we're supposed to be rare and unique <laughs> like how are there so many <laughs> Um, but a thing that we are, are also a strong believer in is that uh, characters aren't all different types. Uh, so that is another reason why I think some of those grids and and character uh, graphics you see can uh, we can view them as incorrect because they're usually trying to assign a type to every different character. Mm-hmm. every different character to have a different type but that's not necessarily true so like if you see a lord of the rings chart it's gonna be like gandalf's one thing and pippin's another and we're saying that they could possibly be the same thing and so um i think that's another reason why it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts because when you see those grids there's usually not one blank but i don't think that every character is always uh accounted called, for. Accounted for and called for i think there are more doubles than a lot of people want there to be and <laughs> i mean it would be really nice if things fit like if it was all just a nice neat box and but it's like every fandom y'all everyone no it can be a useful exercise <laughs> in if the question is like who is more likely to be this type that type mm-hmm. or whatever right but there's no room for like... possibility in those charts it's always just like right. yeah gandalf is an entp or whatever people type him as and it's like okay but like He could be, like, the whole point of this podcast especially is, like, the possibilities of what characters could be, you know, because they're not real people. They're not consistent people making consistent choices all the time uh, because they're written by real flawed people. Um, And so it's like, there's no room for it's like, oh, well, Harry could be this, but also that, you know? And I find that to be disappointing and 
uh, not nuanced. And so that's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're here. Because it's all about interpretation and it's super fun to discuss. Hopefully it's been fun. Maybe y'all are like, wow, these people are super into this. This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And if so, you know what? We'll see you on our Instagram. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Next week, it'll be more of the same doing it live, and we will be discussing (laughs) Enneagram Type 4s, INFJs, and ENFPs. Until then, you can join us on Instagram for more character analysis and Enneagram and MBTI content. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at The Nerds Are Typing. You can find us on Twitter at Nerds Are Typing. Or you can use the hashtag the nerds are typing to let us know your thoughts. If you want to chat to us, uh, I'm Constar24 on Twitter and Instagram, and Delia is Delia is typing on Twitter. Uh, let us know your favorite type threes. We want to know your favorite ENFJs and ENTPs in media. Like, do you disagree with us? Use those hashtags to let us know. Um, or let us know that you totally agree with me and Tehani is a, an Enneagram 3. Um, so when we, also, whenever we put out the polls, uh, do Enneagram 2 because she's an Enneagram 2. And all the Hufflepuff Enneagram 3s, hit us up. Yo, let us Where know. Where y'all at? Because we want to know what that's like. <laughs> anyway. All right, y'all. Happy typing, y'all. Happy typing. The Nerds Are Typing is a Black Girls Create production. To find out more about Black Girls Create and how we're turning fans into creators, visit blackgirlscreate.org.